This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Joanna, welcome to the show. Very excited and honored to speak with you. And uh, thanks for making time for this. Yeah. Hello. Hi. I saw you in the emo book that we're both in, uh, Where Are Your Boys Tonight? And I said, oh, hey, look, it's Joanna. And I thought I I should hit you up for a podcast. So just for the record, to set the record straight, if you had to make a top five emo bands of all time list, who would you put on it? That's actually a really good question and a question that I don't get asked. Okay, we're going to have like an unofficial or something or honorable mention. I never really considered My Chemical Romance an emo band, but I feel like now yeah, they're like, they, they see the poster children for emo. But I remember when they came out, I like, you know, I just saw them as a rock band, even right. a punk rock band. But So we're just going to say My Chemical Romance because they are one of my favorite bands, you know, just of all time in general. Um, personally, I don't think they intended to be emo. It's almost like they were called emo like 10 years later, but that's okay. We'll just Does anybody intend to be emo though? Or at least not back then? I think some people did. I mean, there back in the day, there was a whole like emo scene. Like I feel like it's funny because emo like kind of became something different like on TikTok, right? (laughs) Yeah. But whatever, I guess we could go into that later. Let's say, I mean, the Get Up Kids, like Mm -hmm. definitely, I think the best. They do not get discussed enough of that generation. They're the best. Yeah, it kind of makes me upset because I feel like in this emo revival, they they don't really get any any credit. It's like they were way ahead of their time. Maybe Um, they just don't have like the right aesthetic or something like that. And so people just don't, I don't know. You know what? Going back and listening now, like it's like they were like before. I mean, they were a real emo band, and I feel like their sure. recordings were not as sharp. You know, maybe yeah. as, I, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. But whatever, they are the best band. And anybody who's listening to this who doesn't know who the Get Up Kids are, like, go listen to the Get Up Kids because, like, they're just I don't know. It's it's timeless, and they they were the first. I I yep. think, oh that I, was. I, like, I don't disagree. Okay, so we're going to say the Get Up Kids. Um, okay. You know, I was a big fan. I wa- I really liked that band, um, uh, Pinback. Mm-hmm. That was like, I think, for real emo. That's a very deep cut. Yeah, that's a deep cut, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to talk, you know. Uh, let me see. Because I want to like do like the real emo. What I thought yeah. was real. Okay, so we have two. This is a very important question, and I'm taking <laughs> it, it is. very seriously. What about uh, the promise Jets ring? To Br- Jets, Jets to Brazil. Brazil. Okay. I loved Jets to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Does anyone know who they are? No. Nobody no. under 40. Nobody knows who they are. <laughs> no. 
The Used, I mean, The Used, I think is like the, the greatest band ever. Oddly, yeah. like I wasn't so into The Used when I was younger because I, I think wasn't either. Like, and now I am. Yeah, now same. like I can't same. stop listening to them. So yeah. it's almost like, yeah, that's funny. Am I a poser? My- I don't really know. <laughs> My I think wife- both of us probably came from the same scene where like they were too mainstream or something. I just didn't. I just never really cared or th- I just didn't even really think about him. You know, my was wife it is their quite a bit. Fans? Was it their fans? Like, did I just like not really click with their fans at the time? I don't I just, know what. It, I just what didn't it. think it was for me. And I never really looked into it basically. You know? Yeah. But now and then I, am- I heard later through my wife and I was like, hold on. These songs are actually amazing. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. I don't consider Newfound Glory an emo band. I know other no. people would, you know? No, 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 absolutely not. Um, no, okay, thank you. I'm glad we're on Great band, but not emo. Great band, not emo. Um, okay, then I'm going to say um, on the tip How of How about my... the Promise Ring? They would be on my list. Okay, or like Sunny Day Real Estate. Okay, I yeah. So many, you know, Sunny Day Real Estate. Yeah. They, were, ugh, they can be kind of boring sometimes, but like, yeah, you know, yeah. gotta, you got to like mention them. Mm-hmm. You know? Sam I Am, was that emo? Okay. Was that more punk? Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't consider it emo, but again, a great band. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Hop, I really do like Hawthorne Heights. They're great. Like, like a more generic, you know, another yeah. band I didn't care for much mm-hmm. when everybody else was like Same. getting into them. But like, yep. I rock out to Hawthorne Heights now. Like, th- these are all like, you know, I listen to a lot of this, the, a lot of emo actually when I train and run uh, marathons now, mm-hmm. like okay. there is nothing better. So I will go through like, you know, the entire like emo retrospective. Um, okay, so I think that's a pretty good co- cohesive list of like yeah. old and new. And we, we're just gonna put my chemical romance in there, even though I don't think, I don't think they're really emo, but I feel like they now are the poster children for emo. Anyway. I'm on board with it. I think it's that a good probably list. Took- long to answer that question but i was very passionate about it so i didn't want to like do it you don't want to half-ass it yeah now like so many more emos are coming to me well so uh, tell me when did you start getting into music and what led you to discovering punk and all that oh lord oh going way back (laughs) i mean when i was Let's see. I know I talked about this in another podcast, I think, but it doesn't matter. Um, okay, I'm gonna say but you're gonna give me the better version of it. Oh, I'm gonna give you the better version. Yes. Okay. I mean, look, I always knew I was weird. You know, <laughs> I always like identified with like weirdos. You know, I was always looking for them. I mean, I'm 42. It was very hard to find weirdos when I was younger. You know, we didn't have the internet. We couldn't like reach out and like connect. Um, with other and you're from like North Jersey, right? Yes, I am from North Jersey. And I did. I used to actually like my my dad. It was always like important to him. Kind of strange thinking about it now. And I feel like it would be very different for kids now. Like we lived in a safer time. I don't know. He would he taught me how to use like public transportation when I was at like a very young age. I think he always like encouraged me to sort of explore. I think he did a lot of like road trips and you know, taking buses and this and that when he was younger. So he just thought that was like really important. Anyway, yeah. Um, you know, he taught me, so I would just take the, the bus into the city, you know, into big, big old New York city. Which um, back then and, was pretty fucked up. Yeah. It's so weird. Cause I was never like 
scared there and my parents weren't worried about me when I, you know, I mean, I would go to like the, the East or the West village, you know, I would walk around like St. Mark's and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But like, even, you know, before then, yeah, I would just like, I would walk around, I would go to record shops and like, you know, I didn't really know like how to be punk. I didn't really know what was out there beyond, you know, what was on like the radio, you know, um, like I was really into like just anything that was weird, you know, like Green yeah. Day. I remember when they came out um, or not when I first heard of them, yeah. you know, and I started seeing like, you know, you remember like 120 minutes on mm -hmm. MTV, I would watch it and I would just be like, I was starting to like understand like what punk really was, but I didn't really know how to grasp it. Right. I don't know. This is like so long ago. Um, anyway, so I would just kind of like walk around New York City, you know, when I was like, God, in high school or something. Oh, I, I mean, even before that, I would I would somehow through watching 120 minutes, I figured out who Sonic Youth was. And then I like did. I don't even know how I did research because there was no Internet back right. then. But somehow, somehow I found out like I think it was written on the back of a CD. I found out like what Sub Pop was and I was ordering mm -hmm. CDs from the Sub Pop catalog. Like I was just kind of trying to find like whatever alternative culture I could possibly find. Um, that was sort of like the way, you know, beginnings. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, I actually remember it was, it was like, you know, pretty life changing when I saw a video in hundred, 120 minutes for like rancid, you know, and out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for time bomb. And I, I think that video for me was like, okay, like punk rock is like this scene, you know? Like I think mm -hmm. that video really like spelled it out for me. Um, and then I just kind of went looking for it, if that makes any sense. God. And you think back in hindsight, like how did I find any of this stuff? Because it was so much harder yeah, back then. <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, a lot of it was, you know. So anyway, then, yeah, I went to, I would go on, um, yeah, so then I started just kind of getting into punk rock. You know, you could buy CDs and whatever. I would go to like these punk rock record stores, but I still didn't really know anyone, you know? I would just I was just kind of going places and like trying to see what I could figure out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, then I I think I really got my real push into it when I um <laughs> went on the early stages of the internet and I went in on AOL chat rooms. Uh -huh. I went to punk chat. I remember finding okay. one spelled with, you know, some lowercase letters and some <laughs> letters. So it was very, very punk, you know, uh -huh. and I made a friend in one of the chat rooms and, um, Oh God, why does my dog want to go on now? I made a friend in one of the chat rooms and her name was Marissa. And she was like, yeah, do you want to come with me to this show? This like a punk show. And I was kind of acting like, yeah, I, I was already going, you know, like I was kind of, yeah, right. this was already part of my life, you know, but she was my age. I think she was like one year older than me or something. Um, yeah. And she took me to like, um, ABC no Rio and oh, like, wow. took me to a punk show there. Yeah. And I remember and seeing that's it. like, I mean, ABC no Rio is about as legit as it yeah, gets. <laughs> I know. Kind of, yeah. And I yeah. remember, God, I remember oh, this is going to be so crazy. I might have to take my dog out while I sure. talk to you, but I can do it. Okay. So I, I remember doing that. Yeah. And I went to a punk show there. And then also like at the mall, 
in New Jersey. Um, you know, there'd always be like just punk people hanging out in front of the mall. And I just, I don't know. I just had my mom like drop me off there. And are I we just, talking Willowbrook or Short Hills? Um, this or which was a Premise Park, Premise Park Mall. Okay. Yeah. And then I remember kind of making a friend there who would take me to shows. I know this is like traveling down memory lane. If, if you want, I, I can just pause this if you want to. Um, no, is it weird for you? Care. It's okay. No, it's fine. It's fine for it. Just it doesn't matter to me. It's funny. If, if maybe they'll find it entertaining. Yeah. New York City, taking my dog on a roof. Anyway, of course he had to go now. Oh, can you still hear me? Yep. Yeah, we're good. Okay. So yeah, and then um, there was a little group of like punk rock people in my high school. They never really talked to me. Um, and I, and then like, you know, they would always like sit in their own section or whatever, you know, sit in the hallway during lunch. And I, at some point I just kind of inched myself over and went and talked to them. And then, yeah, I can't remember yet. So I think the first, first was, was punk chat. I can't remember which came first. Was it the mall? Was it punk chat? Was it people in school? But yeah, I did. I went to ABC No Rio. And then I remember the friends that I finally made in school. They took me to, you know, to like a punk show in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, I remember they took me to see Less Than Jake in like a VFW hall. Um, what year was that? <laughs> what? What year was that? Oh, God. Because I, I saw Less Than Jake at some random venue in North Jersey. I don't know. This would have been maybe 97 or something. Oh my God. Okay. Wait. I'm I like, don't remember where it no. was, but it was, it was somewhere like later that night we went out in Patterson. So it was somewhere wow. kind of around there. Close to me. Yeah. Um, okay. I was in high school. What year was I in high school? I was born in 1980. So I, I graduated in 96. So you probably graduated in 98. I did graduate in 98. Yeah. Yeah, so I I bet we were at the same show. It's possible. I think we were at the same show. Could be. I don't remember uh, where it was really. Yeah, and then a memorable moment. My friend. Yeah, I can't remember which show came first, which is so crazy. I vague. I definitely remember the ABC No Rio show. Um. Yeah, my friend who I met at the mall, she took me to. Um a backyard show in New Jersey. Um, it was a kid who lived in a house and he had shows in his backyard and his mom would like help put the shows on and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and the casualties played there. Okay. And this was actually, I met, uh, uh, cause he hung out at the mall, a guy, his name is Heath Miller. Um, and we, I feel like every time I do one of these podcasts, he gets back in touch with me. He went on to like put on a bunch of shows in New Jersey um, and he actually, I think, put on big concerts later on. I don't know. I don't want to talk about his history. But yeah, my friend at the mall, she and she, yeah, she's like, oh, my friend Heath's dad is going to pick us up and take us to to Craig's house because there's a show in his backyard. And that I think was my that was the first like, I don't know. I think I really saw like a real punk scene. Also, that was in New Jersey, like not very far from my parents' house. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just I just remember seeing um, the casualties play in a backyard, and it was just like this sea of like leather jackets and mohawks and and people screaming and yelling. And um, 
I don't know. And I was just like, oh, this is this is like my scene. This is like where I want to be. You know, I want to like, you know, yeah, that was like the early, early days. I, you know, I went to some shows at Coney Island High. I remember mm-hmm. very early on one of the sh- I think it was the first show I saw at Coney Island High. Um, uh, Anti-Flag played and I remember seeing them play Die for Your Government on stage and I was just like, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know why I hate the government, but I do. Right. <laughs> you know, being in a new the worst. Life. Yeah, I'm so angry right now. <laughs> um so these were like all like just kind of, you know, memories I had of sort of finding out about punk rock and the scene and, and figuring out where I fit in in, uh, in high school. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, there were like in Ridgewood, all the like punk rock people would hang out there. We would just sit on a stoop and I don't know, drink vodka out of <laughs> 11-Eleven slushies and stuff. I don't even know, you know, what we were really doing you know then in college you know i went to Rutgers, which you know which is in new brunswick which i mm-hmm. feel like was like the epicenter of i don't know i think it was, that was like the peak of lifetime and all that stuff right yeah so i was coming in right when lifetime ended i okay. never actually got to see lifetime until one of their reunion tours yeah. but i was like i remember coming in like right when everybody was like talking about lifetime's like last show okay yeah. Um, but that New Brunswick scene was amazing. I guess Thursday was probably was, starting around that time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I said in the book, you know, I Jeff was a, a good friend of mine. Jeff used to yeah. throw shows in his basement and I used to always go there. And uh, me and Jeff, uh, we were in the same English class. Um, and yeah, I remember he, on you know, it's in the book on, on a, I, I, he was just in my English class and I randomly, like I had two tickets to see Elliot Smith. Um, and I was like, Oh, I bet that emo kid in my English class would want to go with me. I don't know. Um, anyway, we both, we went to see Elliot Smith and on the way home, cause it was in, in the, in the city. So we took the train from New Jersey to New York and um, so glad I went to that show, you know, cause yeah. Uh, and I remember on the way home, he said, Hey, I'm starting a band and we're, you know, we're going to play our first show soon, show soon. And I was like, what's the band called? And he said Thursday. And I was like, I thought he meant like, I was like, oh, you guys are Thursday. (laughs) And then he's like, no, that's the name of the band. And I was like, that's not a really good name. Maybe you should change. (laughs) So a lot Um, of people have like a, you know, high school or college kind of punk phase, which obviously was not a phase for you. What do you think about it kind of stuck with you? I mean, the, the, everything that I kind of learned, you know, stuck with me forever. Um, let's see how to boil it down. I mean, first of all, you know, I always looked up to all the, you know, the strong women in the scene, you know, like Kathleen Hanna, even like Joan Jett or I don't know, you know, just like that to me, you know, these were like the feminists. Um, mm-hmm. to me, I don't know. I, I think just not, it's funny to say not conforming because you're still kind yeah. of group. First of all, just this like DIY-ness mm-hmm. really like instilled with me from such a young age. You know, I, I had friends at a young age that ran mini record labels where they were pressing records 
like actual physical records in their yeah. basement. Everybody was coming over and sort of folding them, the, the you know, the folding, like the right. thing to go inside and, you know, and staying up all night and being like, all right, this has to be ready by tomorrow because then we're going to drive around to record stores and drop off a bunch of, you know, uh, you know, I was like a political activist, you know, always like planning, like, all right, what, like, are we doing next? Like, okay, we're going to show up at this monument at this time. And then we're going to do this at this time. And then mm -hmm. we're going to, like there was just this constant era of like getting shit done. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was never like a world where people talked about things and we didn't do them, you know? Mm -hmm. And there was never like, like sitting around and waiting for somebody else to make something happen for you. Right. You know, You're like, it, I have no fucking idea how to do this, but we're just going to do it. We're going to do it. And when you have this community, you can really do anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and like, just doing things that you believe in and just getting it done and fucking making it happen. So I think that has always, you know, been instilled in me, like never like waiting for some person to come along and like write you a big check. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like there's always been something in me that's kind of like cringe or something. Um, and I'm not talking about people who are, you know, raising money for like an emergency or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah. is yeah. thing i'm not talking about that you know when people do like like kickstarters or like gofundmes or you know what i yeah. mean for just these like passion projects of theirs it's like yo just like take your take the you know take a couple hundred bucks and like just do it yourself you know yeah. figure it out like you know and then just go from there like you don't need to wait for for a big corporation or, or something to write you a big check to like get something done you know what i mean so i think that that like instilled in me um you know for a very long time. Um, this, so this like excitement, this kind of fire under my ass um, where you could, where you could do things with just you and your peers and you don't need like outside, you know, big, big, uh, big money to get, uh, to get something done. Um, yeah. And, and if you look at the people who came out of that scene, I mean, one of the things I've realized over the years is like, there's people from our scene, you know, from like that era, the hardcore scene and stuff in big companies doing amazing things everywhere. And I, I used to be surprised by that, but now I'm not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely. like, oh, of course we were at the same show in 2001. Yeah. And of course. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, of course. Like anytime I meet someone like, you know, just even meeting you now that like was around in that time. It's like, even if we never knew each other, it's like, we've been best friends forever. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And like this, you know, a sense of community, um, I definitely learned. And yeah, you know, over the years, there was just this, this, this like era of just like doing what you believe in, you know what I mean? Like, and you know, saying like, don't sell out. I get it. It's kind of funny. Cause I actually like had a company that I sold. So maybe I'm a sellout, but, um, whatever. <laughs> well, when you're an adult, yeah, I mean, there's also, also, I don't think selling a company that you built, I mean, how right. is that selling out? I didn't, I didn't want to run it forever. Uh, and you know, and that's a whole other topic, but like, whatever. But, but when I think of like not selling out, it's like anytime something comes along, which I feel like comes along a lot now. And like, someone will be like, Oh, try this easy thing or this, hack to like yeah, right you know to get big on tiktok or right, to get big right. on the, you know or like even when i was you know was still uh you know when i still did run a company when somebody you know when things were tough and i would talk to other people you know 
you know, web companies or traffic, you know, people that were supposed to help you right. money and they'd recommend these like really cringe ideas. Yeah. You know, I have to admit, and like there would, it would always be in my gut, like, oh, come on, Joanna, like, don't do this. Don't do this. You know, like, and then sometimes I'd be like, oh, all right, you know what? Everybody's saying like, like, this is going to be a win. You know, I, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll just do it, you know, because like, I wanted the company to succeed. And yeah. every time I went against my gut, it's like, it didn't work. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, if you just stick with what's in your gut and just like believe in yourself, you know, those are the best business decisions um, you can make, I think. Um, and in, in hindsight, you know, like I, I did fanzines when I was in high school and I sold like whatever, a couple thousand of them through the mail, you know, by the time I was out of high school. And in hindsight, like if you can do something like that, or if you can book, you know, if you can actually make a little bit of money booking hardcore shows or selling seven inches or whatever, like that is fucking hard. And if you can do that, I know. Like, it's like we were all pretty running much anything little business. businesses before, yeah. like you could have before social media, you know, right. like you we had to were do making it through the mail and the with flyers. That- Right. Can you believe that we people were able to pack entire rooms with flyers? They yeah. hand oh, like how? How do you do that? How do you do that? But people, we did it every every week. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy to think of the things that like we accomplished at that time. Yeah. So I think, you know, our intuition, you know, you learn from that. You learn how to run a business even if you didn't really think of it that way. Exactly. Exactly. Even well, though we thought we were uh yeah, I guess we were all learning like small business 101. We absolutely were hundred percent. So that brings me to Bernie Angel. And for anyone who may be younger and isn't familiar with this, the idea of women like you in porn, meaning not just that you had tattoos, but that you were like, obviously like a part of the punk scene, you know, and like, you know, that you are who you are. That was a very shocking thing back in the day. There were suicide girls, which I, I think was the first kind of foray into that. But so what? we started at like the exact same time. Okay. Like, I think it was literally within like a month or a few days of each other because okay. when burning angel first launched, um, a friend of mine was like, Oh yeah, you should check out. And I really thought I was like the only one in the world to have come up with this idea. Someone was like, Oh, you should check out this site. Like they just, you know, like it just it, it had just gone up so it's okay. very funny you know because they were on the west coast i was right. on the east coast. it's very funny that like we had absolutely nothing to do with them at all like it's funny to think that someone on the west coast and someone on the east coast was like kind of thinking about this like at the same I think, yeah time. very weird but the the vibe i got from it was from burning angel was definitely like it felt like a punk zine, but yeah, with naked people in it. Yes. How, how did you we, think about it? Look, there were many, many stages of Burning Angel. You know, we were kind yeah. of what Burning Angel launched in 2002. I sold it in 2019, you know, and it, it went through a lot, you know, so yeah. there were many, many stages and iterations of, of Burning Angel over the years and and how it started and, and where it ended and and stuff. So, I, you know, it's hard to really, but, you know, but I know right now we're kind of talking about like the beginning. Yeah. The beginning. I mean, yeah, we really like, like over the years as burning angel gained more success, I would find like 
articles and stuff saying like, oh, this was all just PR. This is like owned by a big company and like this and that. And it's like, <laughs> no, like this is like this is not this was actually you know, started by me and my roommate in college, Mitch, who's, you know, my best friend still is my best friend and, you know, business partner, you know, for life kind of, <laughs> um, um, you know, with a couple hundred dollars and yeah, we really like, we didn't have a plan. We didn't, you know, so there was no, no like kind of doing. strategy of like, oh, we're going to start out with this audience and then build to this and this and this. No. <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely not. I mean, Suicide Girls was run by like a you know, a guy that ran other websites. Okay. I'm 99% sure. Look, I can't say that. I don't know anything they, about them. They had a big operation, you know, okay. even when it was small, it was big, you know, it was started with, you know, and, and I, from what I know, the, it was a guy and a girl that started it. And I believe the guy ran other, you know, big, okay. I mean, look, you could tell even the very early yeah. stages of the website, Burning Angel looked like, like a website kind of hacked together with yeah. like a bunch of, tape like yeah which is what was tape. cool about suicide it suicide girls was a very well functioning you know and and very like uh, i don't know even like ahead of the curve i mean they yeah. had they had like community features on a website before that was ever on right. you know heard of at all right. so you know to to give them credit um you know which is kind of funny when you think of east coast west coast you know this yeah. it's like they were like the 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 more the, tech forward. Or I mean, they were like the, uh, I don't know, like the, like the mall version of punk rock. Uh -huh. They were like right, almost right, like, right. like the hot topic or something, you yeah. know, like this is punk, but like funded by someone not, not punk or, you know, this is right. punk, but like a well-oiled machine of punk. You know what I mean? Right. We were like punk, you know, yeah. for better I mean, I or for you, worse. You, you I, know? I think I found it, like I, I found Burning Angel not because of like porn, it's because you had an interview with, I don't remember who, maybe it was like Dillinger or something. Like there was some interview yes, that I wanted so to read that was on Exactly. There. So that was our thing. We were like, oh, we're going to make it like Playboy, but like for punk rock, you know, there's going to be yeah, like okay. girls and band interviews. And like, I was also putting these like embarrassing, like, short stories i wrote in my english okay. class these like erotic short stories i can't even believe i did that like are they are, can i still find these you know i don't know i don't know <laughs> i I, I hope you can't but you know like the penthouse letters <laughs> if you go in like the Wayback machine i don't know okay. what these weird erotic stories i wrote about like guys and bands that i boned i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing but um yeah you know when i was doing these band interviews I was really trying hard to get these band interviews. You know, I'd walk around with my little tape recorder and go to shows and just try to talk to whoever I could talk to. And, you know, it started off and it was crazy. You know, I, this was such a big deal in the punk scene. Yeah. Back then. it really like people were very torn and split on it. And I, I'll always remember this day, you know, people who, people who had my back, you know, because I was not, it's like once when the website came out, you know, a lot of people were very angry. What what did they not like about it? Uh, you know, people did not think that there was, you know, definitely a lot of people that did not think porn was punk or porn uh -huh. was feminist. And it's so funny because when the website launched in 2002, there was just photos. Like, it's so crazy. Right. There's so much commotion. It was only 
pictures. That's right. it. Video didn't start to be on the website till years later, you know. And I mean, video was so hard to do at that time on the on the internet. It was so expensive and technically difficult. And oh stuff. yeah, I mean, yeah, and you know, a friend of ours that kind of new coding like put the website together mm. they were like friends that ran one of those very early like online band uh, merch companies okay. you know so they kind of knew how to do like a pay yeah situation um it was like almost like a website that wasn't built to be like a porn site it was like right. built to be like a like a shopping a merch store I, you know, yeah, it, yeah, it made no sense. You know, I remember. So was the objection like people? I I can imagine. I I don't remember what people said, but there was like potentially like a feminist critique or version where like people were sort of uptight about sex and they didn't think that belonged. Yeah, or I mean, was it all of those things or like what? You're, you're selling punk rock. You're selling women's okay. bodies. You know this and that. You know, like um it's it's i don't know you know up yeah. to, i remember hearing you know there was this one actually feminist punk band and you know they firmly believe that porn uh caused you know uh domestic you know violent like you know uh -huh. violence against women they you know they 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 were like those kinds of feminists you know being like a pro sex worker feminist was not like a thing back then it's so weird know? to hear that because now like it's the exact opposite, which is probably, I mean, I think you're a big part of why people have yeah. changed their attitude about and that. Look, I was never gonna, you look, I had to agree to disagree, you know, yeah. like to me, I was sort of, you know, like closed off and confused and, and awkward and, uh, you know, and Burning Angel like made me more confident. And, and even from the very first, even though my first, thing that I did naked on the internet. I wasn't even naked. I was just topless. Like, and even just doing my first topless shoot, like I felt a part of me come alive, you know? And I thought this was a very good, you know, positive, empowering thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's okay that other people didn't see it that way. You sure. know, I what was like, I wasn't going to, you know, try to convince someone. And look, a lot of the pornography that was out at the time did not, uh, you know, um empower women the way yeah right you know? so right. you know so i get it i get it you know so yeah i mean it really tore people apart uh you know some people just got nasty like you know like it, it was weird i wasn't used to i was always like everyone's cheerleader with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In punk rock, you know, like I was like, I went to every show. I was always like, yay. Like I knew the words to everybody's yeah. songs, you know, like I was everybody's like biggest fan. I think like all the, you know, kind of old school punk bands or whatever, like knew that, you know, knew me, as, you know, as the girl that like, I was everybody's biggest fan. I loved the mm -hmm. scene. I loved all the bands. I believed in everything that everyone said. Um, so I wasn't used to, being the subject of 
hate, you know, right. I got along right. with everyone. I, I was always the one that was friends with everyone and all the different, like, spectrums of the scene you know like i was friends with the hardcore kids and the metal kids and the emo kids and like you know and like the indie rock kid i went to every single kind of show whatever it was you know like i sort of like and so yeah i was sort of like the the object of a lot of hate and you know it was it was strange for me were you surprised and, by that i i was hurt um I, yeah, I guess because I always supported all of my friends' projects, whether I liked them or not, you know, yeah. whether I thought the band was good or bad, I was going to support them, you know, and I was going to be there. And like, so I just kind of thought this was like an unspoken rule in our little punk rock community that like if somebody does something, you you stand behind it sure. and you support it because it's part of punk rock, you know, but it's just, you know, and I, I did things very similarly to to my friends who were in like these small bands and whatever, but it just, everything's different when it's porn. Yeah. You it's know, like you I can do- literally take a shit on stage and hit somebody over the head with a mic stand and that's totally cool. But if you show your tits, Oh, well, now we got a problem. Yeah. A handful <laughs> of naked pictures. I mean, I remember the, the, the first band, you know, we had an interview with this old school Long Island hardcore band. Greetings from Evergreen podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Called Kill Your Idols. Mm-hmm. And they, I, from what I remember, I heard it through like a friend, so I don't know exactly, I don't want to like say things that isn't true, but they, they got like thrown off of a show because they were like supporting. I believe it. Support. Yeah. It was a different like, world back then. It was crazy. Yeah. And, you know, I was wasn't used to being that was like when a message board started to be a thing. Yeah. You know, and I remember seeing a, a picture of me on a message board and everybody had something to say, you know, and some people were being nasty. Like people were like, she's so ugly, you know, anything from right. that to like, it's wrong. It's not punk. It's this. But it became this like very, very, very long active thread on one of those early message boards. So I actually remember the person like um in charge of the message board do you remember what board it was god what was it was it i think it was the trust kill message board trust kill bridge nine Um, was pretty big back then yeah it was one of those yeah and um yeah, and there were pictures of me on there. And this was like so so back in the I was like, how did somebody even get yeah. a photo from the website and right. post it there? And I'm like, is that legal? You can like, do that? Like, like I, that was like, what the technology? Like, how did they even know yeah. how to cut and paste my image to insult me? You well, know? It's one of those interesting moments where you're like, Oh, I thought I thought the punk scene was different than the rest of the world. And in those moments you realize actually it's not different 
Like in some ways it is, but in a lot of the bad ways, it's not. Yeah. But something I did learn, I remember, you know, the day it launched and I'll never forget it. And, and, um, I, yeah, we had, there was a party at my house cause it was April 20th, 2002, 420. Mm-hmm. There was a party at my house and bands were playing in the basement. Um, and yeah, one of the bands playing, they were, a, you know, a female fronted band and she gave a whole speech about how bad pornography is Did in she- my basement. It. No, like, I, how you did know, she end up playing? Fair, she was looking at me when she said it, and uh-huh. it really sucked. This was one of a band I really loved and respected. I'm not, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm not gonna say name. Like I said, I don't think the girl was wrong, you know, and she was a, a, a person who was a victim of a lot of, you know, yeah. sexual abuse growing up. So she was very outspoken about it. And um, it's a valid well, it point is, of view, even if you disagree. It's a valid point of view. And I was yeah. not here to take away any of her pain, you know, and yeah. I, you know, as a, I whatever like I always like was behind her on on movements. To be fair, my what I looked I lived in a house with like eight guys, you know, and one of the guys in the house he booked the shows. And mm. I, I didn't really have much to do with booking the shows. I just, you know, walked downstairs and went to them. Um so I'm not sh- I'm not entirely sure she knew I lived there. I don't know, you know, because she's she just, you know, she's just going yeah. to the show she was booked for. So whatever. But I do remember she gave a whole speech that day, the day the website launched. Uh about how much how bad pornography is and how how it like is the reason that women you know like suffered violence you know sure. <laughs> I don't want to be too graphic you know yeah yeah um, and I was like is this is this, is this uh, directed at me you know I'm like is this what's going on here um, everyone was asking me about it you know and it was it was 420 so there were like these vegan you know pop brownies going around that i ate and which was you know probably a bad idea but (laughs) um and yeah so everything was like kind of heightened because of that and i was everywhere i went in the party like you know there's a lot of people you know there was like bands playing in the basement there was like people everywhere all over the house and everywhere i went people are like cornering me to talk to me about my feelings on like punk and porn you know Mm -hmm. and like you have to understand like i didn't go to la and do anything this was like i took topless photos that like my friend you know mitch he borrowed a friend's do we even call it a digital camera he borrowed a camera from his friend's mom oh back then you called it a digital camera because it was it had the discs the floppy discs in it like the early early stages of digital camera we had a friend and we're like he's rich (laughs) like (laughs) he probably has a camera this is like (laughs) i don't know our friend who had kind of a well i don't know our friend had a camera so he was really balling you know and he borrowed the camera and took the pictures of it so this wasn't like you know and then and then we basically did that with a, a handful of other girls who were friends of ours um so for i didn't i didn't have a, a lot to say about it you know for me to i i wasn't prepared to like speak about yeah. pornography and and what this meant and and like and how it applies to feminism i like it was just things i didn't really think through because getting this website up was such a clusterfuck you know like yeah. we kept setting dates for it and they weren't happening and you know uh yeah so like i think i was just so like in the zone of getting this website on the internet and doing whatever i can which was not much because i wasn't a programmer or anything but a lot yeah. of just like trying to figure out whatever i could do so yeah i kind of didn't think about the fact that 
oh, this is porn and it might piss people off. You know, I was just so busy with and excited launching this project. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll always remember. And I I remember I went to my room and I kind of like shut the door. I was like, you know, it was a house. It had a basement and it had like three stories. And I lived in like the top. Well, actually, there was an attic. I didn't live in the I didn't live in the attic. I lived in whatever. Anyway, I ran upstairs to my room and I just shut the door and I was like panicking. And I was like, all right. I either need to uh, move and take this down and pretend it never happened, or I need I need to I need to you know make this the greatest thing that ever existed. You know, I knew at that moment it was like it was like sink or swim. Um, you know, and also spending so many years as a a person who was sort of always in the background mm-hmm. or in the crowd of the industry, um, being, seeing every, you know, just seeing everybody get so torn and loud over this. I was like, this is, there's, this is a powerful thing. This is more powerful than I thought it would be. And this mm-hmm. is, and even though this is like, to a group of like a few hundred people to me, that was the world, you know, like we didn't have Instagram or, you know, things back then where you could see like only, there's only a couple hundred people that care about it. You know, like these are are people that you knew or at least a lot of these couple hundred people were my world. Right. That was the whole world to me as far as I was concerned. And I was like, yeah, this is really powerful. And I need to, I need to, you know, I need to take this and, and, you know, and really do it. Like I, I saw some kind of glimmering, you know, potential of something that could be really, really huge. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I just, I knew I made a choice at that moment. Like this is, this is the choice I'm taking. And I, you know, and I never looked back. So, yeah, and that was in uh, April 20th, 2002. So <laughs> it's been a journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I found this quote when I was doing research. I thought you might think it's funny. This is from Gavin McInnes, who a lot of people know now as the founder of the Proud Boys, but he was also... Let's remember the good things Gavin did before he uh, became a Nazi, I guess, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the co-founders of Vice, and he's, you know, old school punk guy and stuff. That's a very, you know, cool magazine that did a lot of important things, um, I think. Yeah, I I agree, but this this is the quote. But now he's a Nazi, so... Yes. (laughs) So, you know... This this is the quote I that from came. him. I wasn't expecting that. You know, it's really it took a left turn somewhere. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a wild ride. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, his, okay. so his, an early his, quote from someone before he was a Nazi. <laughs> yes, before that, people don't want punk porn. There's just no market for it because that's not what porn is about. Porn is not cool. So obviously, oh, that did not okay. age well. <laughs> How funny! I was about to think that maybe he said something, good, but I guess he always picked on me. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't say he didn't say anything nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He always made me a fashion don't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember like, those yeah. were pretty funny, though. They were funny. It was actually an honor. Yeah. Um, well, he, I randomly remember. He did apologize to me one day. Hmm. All right, anyway, fuck that guy. He's a Nazi. <laughs> fuck anything. Well, <laughs> you weren't the first person from the punk scene to do you know porn and whatnot but i do think you were the first unless i'm mistaken i do think you were the first person to be both the star 
and also the business owner, which is a new thing. So when I think of, you know, now there's all the Deftones alt girls with OnlyFans accounts and all that kind of thing. That's like a whole kind of template. People call them Deftones alt girls. What is that? Well, yeah. Well, everyone, all those girls are into Deftones now. Oh. That's I like. Think, I don't even think people are into, like, I think Deftones is like, I think that's. that's I'm with like, you. That's like still millennial. Like that's, I don't think Gen X. Uh, Listen, every, every, everybody loves Deftones now. It's all right. big on oh, TikTok. I don't think, I was like X. No, that's older. Gen Z. I don't think they care about the Deftones. Oh, they do. They loved, I was surprised by this too. They really? all, yeah, they all love Def, Deftones is like the band for all those people now. I didn't know. Well, yeah. I, mean, I, I like the Deftones. Okay. See, now everybody, everybody thinks I'm crazy for having the same reaction as you, but I want everyone who's watching this, you see... You see, Joanna, Joanna has the same reaction as me. It's like, oh, people like Deftones like that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't know there was like, like, I mean, to me, the Deftones was like. Like corn. Like, uh, stripper music. Uh-huh. Well, but it still corn, is. What? <laughs> it like, still I is. I really like listen to the Deftones until I was a stripper. Cause it's just like good music to be a stripper to, but corn. Okay. Look. Corn. Like, I remember when Corn came out and they were, you know, it was a big deal. And yeah. and they really did. They did some very important. They were great. They were great. They were great. And then I think when they got, I don't I don't know. At some point, it was like cool to like Corn. Then it wasn't cool to like Corn. Right. And now I <laughs> now think it's cool, cool to like them again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really care anymore. You know, it's fine. But look, I those first, that, the first album with this swing set. Yeah, it's great. It's really good. The was that I like still title? Life is PG, the second one or the first one? It was not. It's the second or third one. I forget which. Anyway, the early stuff great. that Corn did, it was very powerful. It uh, it made a difference. Um, you know, and they were angry, and they and they stood out, and you know, there were there were some, even though they didn't, they weren't in the punk scene. They did some punk rock things. I think. Sure, they did some I punk remember. Rock for the metal scene, you know. I saw them on their first tour when they were opening for Sick of It All. And I didn't have oh, any idea. I wonder if I was there. Wonder if I was well, there. I saw him in Seattle, so probably not. Okay. But right. Maybe you saw him out there. But what I was going to ask is, I, I see you as really the template for this whole kind of lifestyle now of these girls who are, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're doing OnlyFans, you are an entrepreneur. You know, it's sort of like OnlyFans is like burning angel in a box you know you don't have to like start it from scratch now right 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 no i know it's crazy like the things that took so long and were so hard to to do are now just you know just right there um you know like it took forever for us to get like approved by like credit card processors sure. i don't know dealing with like hosting and programming right. Now it's like, oh, somebody will take care of all that for you. Just, you know, click here and yep. and sign up. Um, I don't know. Did I was that raise? I had I had to walk so they could run. I mean, sure. you know, I, I don't like to take too much credit. People are always like, if it wasn't for you, girls with tattoos wouldn't be in porn and But it's not just that. It's the it's, the it's the business I think owner it part. Happened eventually, you know, but you know, it, but it, I'm, it, I'm, yeah, I'm a so modest person. What? That's true, but I don't think it's fair to just say that it's like girls with tattoos and porn because to me, the really significant part about what you did is being the business owner, being the entrepreneur. 
Yeah. And I yeah. think that's a really meaningful a contribution. Well, thank you. Thank you. And it was not easy to be a business owner. And yeah, and that is what at the end of the day I take I take pride in and you know, um and uh yeah, I mean, you know, Burning Angel first started as like, yeah, we're, you know, these girls are different looking than mainstream girls. But you know, over time when other companies like that started popping up, um it's like I, I had to be like, all right, beyond girls just looking a little bit yes. different. Like what, you know, then I, I had to sort of fine tune. Like, you know, I started to be like, what is my style as a director? You know, how mm -hmm. do I how do I go beyond just visually looking different? You know, right. creatively, I wanted to be different. And, you know, and, and um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I think the difference is that you know, for sure, without you, someone would have come along, you know, and be like, oh, I'm a pretty girl with tattoos. I can be in porn. Like, that's, somebody would have done that. But I don't know that the idea that that if you are, uh, if you are whatever, I'll say like an alternative person or whatever, that you can run a business, you know, off this kind of stuff. I don't know that that would have occurred to someone else. Like, being outside sort of the conventional industry. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we did things and it's kind of funny now because girls will ask me for advice and I'm like, the way I did things, like, like everything's different so world. different now. Like, you know, like I don't, I'm asking for advice from the younger generation now because they're just so good and so savvy. Um, it's amazing. Different platforms. They really just have such a, you know, an instinctual you know, knowledge of branding themselves and, mm -hmm. you know, girls in their, you know, mid twenties, early twenties, like know about what times of day to post or algorithms and like this and that. And it, like, it's crazy how much, how much they know about marketing and, and even just down to like, you know, what angles look good on them. Mm -hmm. No, they know how to do their makeup really well. You know, these are all things that, <laughs> We didn't know any of that stuff. You know, this stuff was like not at your disposal. Um, but, you know, I give whatever advice I can, you know, but I think um, I try to tell people like nothing, nothing came easy to me. You know, I worked very, very hard and I still do. I worked so hard for everything I had um, and everything I, I have and I'm not sitting on a, in a castle right now, you know, like there's many, many, many people that came in after me and make 10 times much as I do. You know what I mean? Like many people, it takes them six months to accomplish things that took me 20 years to accomplish, you know, like if you can't, you can't like get yourself down, you know what I mean? And it's, it, it's like, I just try to tell people, you know, believe in yourself, have fun. If you're not having fun, you know, this isn't, a good place to be like just believe in yourself and like keep moving forward and you know don't get discouraged and um i think that's that's an issue like you know a greater issue with the world like people are very sorry i have a point in here somewhere people are very no, um forgiving and sympathetic and like behind you if you move to 
LA and you want to be an actor and you're going to audition after audition after audition and like you're not landing a role, you know, people will be like, all right, you know, just wait tables until you get there and here's advice and here's what to do. And, and, you know, and people do that, like if you're in a band and you just keep playing and playing and you're like trudging along and you're not like getting that overnight success, like people will support you and believe in you and like really root for you. I feel like there's like this, people don't understand that people have to climb yeah. and struggle and and start somewhere and go somewhere else in porn. Like, especially now with all these stories of like, this girl made $200,000 in a month on OnlyFans. Everybody thinks that it's an overnight success. And look, it is for some people, it is, you know? But it isn't for a lot of people, you know? And there's everything and anything in between. So I I think some people, you know, who come in and they they don't really make it or they're not really sure how to make it or things aren't really happening, they can't like, uh have that same um, validation they would get for the world if they were like a struggling, right, you know, actor right, or musician, right. like that, you know, people feel, I see a lot of people, they feel like very just kind of ashamed because like it, right now there's just this thing in porn. It's like, Oh, if only I had the guts to get on OnlyFans, I'd be a millionaire. Like too bad. Yeah. I can't, you know, or too bad. I get whatever it. And that's, that's not it. You know, I so, think I read that the average person on OnlyFans makes like, 30 bucks a month or something. Well, that's, I mean, I don't know how you can determine. An like there's some people that make a million dollars in a month look, and there's a lot of people to make nothing. And you think you're going to make a million, but you might not. It might take a while to get there. I mean, yeah. Like it's, it's entertainment, you know, yeah. that's, but people don't understand that about the porn. And, and I say that not to discourage people, but just because, like you said, I think maybe people have an idea that it's going to be a get rich quick scheme that you just start an account and people are going to fall. I mean, it's hard just like starting That's any kind of business. It does happen to some people. Yeah. You know? Good for them. And good for them, you know. And um, but even those people have to do stuff to keep that going, you yeah. know. Um, and most those people like if you're going to become like a real overnight success that means that you had fans from somewhere else which means right. you had something you know like uh you know whatever it is but yeah there's no like message like welcome to only fans here's a million dollars have fun you know so i i i try to you know just tell people my my entire career has not been you know has been like like pushing a boulder up a mountain is what i've i've felt like you know or i i always gave myself very realistic goals like very realistic and I, and once i got there i would make another one and once i got there i mean you know i would almost kind of take these baby steps because if you're trying too hard to go from here to here you're going to get discouraged you know um and that's that's hard to do in entertainment you know um you can't take things personally i think running a business helped me uh separate myself Mm -hmm. that makes any sense like when you have to literally look at uh but first i want to thank distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast if you're not familiar distro kid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services so in plain language if you have ever wondered how to get your music on itunes spotify apple music youtube music amazon deezer title and many many more there's like 
dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Like stats. Right. Like financial stats on how much literally like people are looking at you, you know, yeah. and see them go up and see them go down and see months, you know, or years even where it was just plummeting, you know, like when you really like, a lot of girls who got in the industry, you know, they were working for other people all the time. I think now it's actually nice, you know, like on OnlyFans, because I feel like everyone is kind of running their own business. Mm -hmm. and it, they are. You know, everybody has like a more, uh, a very like tangible uh, thing to look at of how, I guess sounds shitty to say how much they're worth, but I'm, I, I mean, I would, it's not how much you're worth as a human, but it's how no. much the, the market has decided you were worth exactly in yes. this context. But I was looking at those things when no one else was, you yeah. know what I mean? So I was like seeing cold, hard facts. And sometimes those facts were exciting and sometimes they were very depressing, you know? So I mean, uh, I feel that on YouTube and it's gotta be, right, and, exactly. and that's gotta be way, I mean, doing porn is, is more, you know, it is a more intimate. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like chocolates. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. PROH Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. That kind of right. thing than, than YouTube. So when things were down, you know, um, I would be like, okay, let me think of a plan on how to get these numbers back up. And it was not emotional, you know, right. or even if it was emotional, like it had to get done. And I had to think of a strategic plan of how to do it. I couldn't yep. just sit there and be like, why does everybody think I'm ugly? Or like, you know, like you can't. <laughs> okay. Everyone thinks I'm I, ugly. What do I do about this? Yeah. There's, there's no time for that, you know, and, and think about it. Like what a weird place to be in. You know, I was the producer, like a lot of these movies that I was in, mm -hmm. you know, this, I'm just talking about the movies I was in, you know, yeah. beyond the movies I was, I was directing that I wasn't in like the movies I was in, you know, like I spent a lot of money on these movies so like sometimes to do porn and actually be in the negative <laughs> sure 
it's you know it's not something that people think of you know like every like everybody does think it's a get rich quick scheme and there you know there were movies that i was in that i my body was in that i had sex with people in that lost money you know i would have to figure out what to do on the next one to to have it make money you know and so it, it kind of made me uh i think realistic and and humble um which i think that you know it's very much uh helped me um and i don't know how to like explain that to other people as advice it's like you know it's important to to have confidence obviously it's important to gas yourself up and and be your own hype person but it's also important to be realistic you know and figure out what you do within reality to to be successful you know the market is going to decide what it's going to decide and you know that's independent of how you feel about yourself but you kind of have to acknowledge like this is a business this is what people think it's the same as if you have a restaurant like i really love this soup but people aren't buying it so what do we do exactly yeah you know sometimes if people don't like the soup you got to change the menu yeah well put sandwiches on there I have two last questions for you. One related to budgets. Um, I, I think you've done a couple of these. Do you remember um, back in like the 2000s, there was like some of those like really high budget like parodies that they did. Like there was like the Pirates one with Evan Stone, whose acting is amazing <laughs> um, with like special effects and stuff. Um, those were so funny. A lot of parodies and features and stuff. But like they, they had like, you know, CGI skeletons and stuff in it. We do, yeah. Okay, speaking of CGI skeletons, um, uh, we made a Nightmare Before Christmas. uh, We just did it as like one scene. It wasn't like a whole feature length movie. And yeah, the whole thing was CGI. Um, Does that like make financial sense as compared to just like run and gun? A lot of big, we call them in porn, like anything with like a big plot, they're called features. That's what they call them. Okay, they're called features, feature movies, you know, look, and I made a lot of them, you know, like Cindy Queen of Hell or, you know, uh, I made a lot of parody, you know, I know who you fucked last summer. Uh, I mean, I've been, you know, I made tons of them a lot. We were kind of known as the horror. Okay. Um, So look, there's, I mean, I, there's, um, on the website, they were never the the number one thing people would click on, but they would get press and get mm-hmm. attention to the company, you know? Um, and they were more of a thing, like they did better on DVD than they did on the internet. I think a lot of people bought them as like gifts. They were things that couples would watch together. Okay. There were also with movies like that, you could get these like like things that I don't think exist anymore, or maybe that like, like hotel, like cable, you know, late night showtime deals that you can't get with just like a, you know, a two people on a couch type. So, and then also, you know, something I cared probably too much about, you know, these movies could be, we're always like awards contenders, you know, to win like the big industry awards. So like, and I, I loved doing them. They're probably just fun to make, right? What? They're probably just fun to make, right? They were fun to make. I would sometimes feel like I would call them porno summer camp, you know, Uh (laughs) you know, you'd have like a big crew. You would get to like, 
you know, people in the adult industry would get to experience something a lot closer to what it's like to make a real movie, you know, where you'd have different wardrobe and and styling and, you know, makeup and sometimes prosthetics and very intricate sets being built. And look, these weren't cheap, you know, these were these were expensive to make. Um, and yeah, you were uh, taking a risk on it, um, but there was definitely a market for it. And I think in general, a lot of those movies, maybe they 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 got the company attention, you know, and so it's like they would bring people in. But then once they were on the website where they were going to were they going to click on it, you know, some movies it was a hit and some some movies it wasn't. But, um, yeah, they were basically like those. I mean, a lot of those big movies, you know, they really helped build the Burning Angel brand. You know, like I said, in the early days, it was like, OK, punk girls, alternative girls, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like. That was like the first, like, this is who Burning Angel is. But after that, it's like, okay, well, well now what? Like, you know, okay, cool. Like, we see them. Like, like I had to, you know, that the was novelty where- novelty wears like, off and- Yeah, I mean, and you know, I, it's like, you know, we were a company. All the other companies had like a very, a style and a brand. And, you know, you had, you had to, I had to figure out how to take this alternative aesthetic and turn it into a movie, you know, mm-hmm. like I, take what we embodied and, and the ethos and everything and turn it into, you know, a movie. Cause I, I mean, to me, it wasn't exciting enough just to have tattooed girls having sex on a couch. You know, I'm just right. like, well, what is that? That's not very like, that's not, not really that interesting. Cool. Yeah. That's not that interesting. You know, and look, there are plenty of people really like that. And I think at the end of the day, the more simple things are what, sure. what sold more money, but yeah, the, the, the big projects was where I got to really like flourish as a director. And I, you know, I learned a lot about production. Um, you know, I took some, some very big risks <laughs> and some were a win and, and some weren't, you know, we, a lot of those movies won a lot of awards and, and uh, I don't know, I'm, you know, at, when I look back on it, you know, I'm, I'm proud of them. Um, but it's really heartbreaking because, you know, people would watch them and they just fast forward through the plot. It's like, guys, like, I would. I would fast. For- to film that plot. I would fast for. I want a version that's just the plot. Thank that's you. what I would get. Thank you. Thank you very much. Last question. Um, I I just remembered that you were in a video for Soundwave Superior by Amir, which is one of my favorite bands oh, of all time. Yeah. <laughs> um, How funny. Random. I, I'm, wow. I'm surprised because they have two songs about sucking dick. So it seems like it would have made more sense, you know, to maybe have you in one of those. But how did that happen? You know, it was one of those things. I remember I was in New York and just kind of got a last minute call from like a friend of a friend. I think I think like some girl dropped out and I was in the right place at the right time. Um, Wow. And it's so funny. I remember that video. It was me and every other girl in the video was a, a Playboy model. Yeah. More like mainstream kind of looking. No, but they were actually Playboy models. Oh, okay. Like they actually were. Like they were Playboy and they were actually Playboy models. Okay. And there was this whole thing, like their agents or whoever, I don't know. They did not want to be like with me. Like they, huh. they, that they was just so like, they thought they were too good for it or something. Yeah. Play, I got, I, I didn't know. Cause I didn't really, I didn't know anything about playboy. It was like a whole other world, you know, world that I didn't cross, which is kind were of you like friends now, with Frankie or I something. Playboy. What were you like friends with Frankie or something? Or how did, how did you end up there? Yes. Was different yes, than, yes. Okay. Uh, yes. 
Frankie was someone I knew. He was the director, right? Pro I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Frank oh, Frankie is the singer of the band. I don't know if he directed oh, okay, the video no. or not. I, okay, the, I was friends with the director of the music okay. video. So I, that's how I got it. I didn't I actually directed it. Band. I became friends with the band after that. Um, the Playboy, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about Playboy, but apparently Playboy models do, did at that time, which is so funny because it's like, huh, I'm a playmate now. Right. <laughs> They wanted nothing to do. They were like, I don't want to be standing next to her because people will think I'm in porn. It was like drama. <laughs> okay, on but seven. you are. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. So it was very funny. Right. The director was like, was like, I had to like put me separate all the time. You know, oh, that's funny. Like, what the hell is going on? I remember specifically there was this like pillow fight and it, like there was like this whole thing where it's like, are they okay with being in a pillow fight with a porn star? And a few girls were like, no. And a few girls were like, yes, because then they didn't want people to see it and then think they were in porn. And it was like How this weird. drama on set. I'm like, I just got a last minute call. And I, I, you know, I'm, but the band, you know, of course I was like, you know, the band all loved me. And of course, when right. they're like, Oh, we need someone to be topless. I'm like, woo, you know, right. no problem for me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I you, don't remember exactly what happened, but yeah, it was very like, yeah. And I, but then I remember there was like one Playboy girl who was, you know, she was like, you know, I've always wanted to do porn. What's it like? And I, <laughs> that's the horror, that's so weird. The horror you, of the group. Yeah. You got a that's lot. What of... I remember more than anything else about that music video is like being like, wow, Playboy girls are really mean. Does that kind of like, I don't know what the right way to put it, that sort of like classism still exist or is that okay, all out honestly, the window now? Like it did exist for a while. I think OnlyFans has broken a lot of that down, you know, because a lot, all the influencers, model, you know, like yeah. everyone's, everyone's doing porn now. <laughs> it's really not a big deal now. What? It's really not it's a big deal what, now. You know, I, I look, I, I have different... Um, you know, outlooks on it. I like it. Like you, a lot of people in the industry, they are mad that a, a lot of people who look down on us are, are like cashing in on it now. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not the same exact people. It's just the right, same right. genre. Of it, you know what I mean? But I think it's really cool that I've been, you know, with OnlyFans, I've, I've gotten together with other, you know, Instagram models and, you know, people who would have, never done this before and they're like you know and, and i actually learned things from them and they learn things from me you know because like they don't really know how to do porn you know and i don't know a lot of these you know secret things about you know whatever you know influencer type thing so i i, I very much like the era that's going on right now and i do think only fans kind of like like people have realized you know yeah a lot of girls uh, are are or sucking dick that would have never sucked dick before that, uh, oh, hey. you know, that, that swore they would never, you know? Um, so I think, I think it really like leveled, leveled the playing field. You know, I think it's, it's made a lot of the, it's crashed down a, a lot of the walls, but you know, I know there are a lot of people in the industry with like, you know, kind of animosity, you know, like gatekeepy kind of, mm -hmm. and it's okay. And I get it. You know um, I personally think it's, I think it's pretty exciting. Um, where I feel like the industry used to be just this small concentrated thing, you know, and now it's like, it's just, it, it it's goes every, everybody so everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like that. So cool.
Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks again for doing this. And uh, I will uh, see you on the internet. Yeah, thank you. I hope uh... it is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King and Off Road Minivan. Every week, I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course, provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.